Welcome to the Ed Fringe podcast, Nathan Caton edition. This is an interview that I took with Nathan Caton in 2013, and he, it's him talking about his time and experience at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. I uh, hope you enjoy his his own little kind of waltz through his Ed Fringe experience on this, the um, the psychocultural geography of podcasts at the Ed Fringe. That's why we didn't call it that, because that's a mouthful, isn't it? I just like the phrase psychogeography. It kind of, you know, I think everything is psychogeography, really, because, you know, there's no fact in the world, is there, that you don't bring your own cut with your own experience and perspective. So this is just Nathan Caton's experience and perspective of the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. And I hope you enjoy it because he's a brilliant comedian and he's insightful and he's got a unique perspective on everything. All right. I will see you on the other side. Goodbye, everyone, for now. OK, uh, hello. <laughs> hello, Ed. Nathan Caton. You all right, mate? <laughs> <laughs> you all right? Cool. Um, OK, so, uh, Edinburgh. How, mm. how many times have you been to Edinburgh? Um, I've been to Edinburgh uh, five times, if you include little bits that I've done. I've done three solo shows, uh, a, a double-hander, and then the first time I went to Edinburgh, I was just part of the Amuse Moose uh, comedy competition. Okay, and was that the first time you'd ever been to the Edinburgh Festival? Yeah, first time. That was two thousand and five. Now, oh my gosh, ah <laughs> oh, man, I felt old doing that. Yeah, two thousand five. That was my first ever time. Then two thousand and seven with the double hander, and then the solo shows were two thousand nine, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. Okay, and uh, so two thousand five was the first time. What, when you first came up to Edinburgh, mm. like the festival, had you heard much about it, or you? Do you... I'd heard. Um, little things about the Edinburgh Festival, like you know, like all comedians went there. It was a place to be seen, to get noticed and stuff. Um, and people said hey, you should go at least once just to experience it. But I didn't realize how crazy it was until I actually got there. And I came at the station, and it's just like it's like a carnival, like just things happening anywhere and everywhere. Just people in your face, like hitting you with flyers. Um, it was it was mad, but it was fun though. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> um, the, the what was the like? So for the first day, when you say it was mad, was mm. it like surprisingly mad? Did you get kind of like? Uh, did you kind of get caught up in it, or was it a kind of case of like I'm gonna have to find a place to hide? <laughs> hide <away laughs> no, um, I, I embraced it. Um, I didn't realize, like I said, I didn't realize how busy it would be, but um, you kind of just get swept into the whole momentum of it. It's kind of like you can't just stay still. You kind of just have to go along with it. Um, so like, yeah, there's people doing shows in the street and like, people inviting you to go and see different shows and little parties here and there. Um, yeah, you just kind of. I, I, I personally, I got, I got caught up in it, and then even more so the first time I did my solo show. Mm. Um, like, because it was my first time. The first time I went in 2005, I was only there for a few days because I only, only did competition. The first time I went um, for the whole month was when I did my solo show. And people, they were saying to me, okay, just pace yourself. You know, just be, and I was like, don't worry, man, I'm cool. I, I was, what, 24 or something like that. And I was like, yeah, no, it's fine, man. And I hit the ground running like, in terms of like going out all the time, going to different shows, going to parties and stuff. Um, and I like think the third week I lost my voice because I was I was just going out so much and just because like, the thing is Edinburgh Festival it doesn't sleep there isn't like a a period in the day when there isn't something going on maybe between four a.m. and six a.m. when everyone kind of just goes to sleep but after that there's always something and so I got 
I had too much partying and not enough sleeping, and I lost my voice for the third week. <laughs> How did you survive without a voice for the? <laughs> I did my voice. I did my show. Sorry, kind of like I sound like like film, which was like yeah, yes, yeah, or I kind of had to like speak kind of like just to kind of get my voice. I was, I had to force it out. I had to force my voice. I didn't sound normal, but I, at least there was a sound <laughs> rather than me doing a mime act for an hour. <laughs> and where were you that year? Uh, when I lost my voice, yeah, I was uh, sure. um, in the Pleasant Courtyard in the attic yeah. um, at nine nine thirty. So it was a yeah, good good time. Um, um, yeah, I, I needed my voice. I couldn't perform a show without a voice in the Pleasant Courtyard at that time. It's when it when it happened, and my agent would have killed me. <laughs> and uh, what year was it then? That um, first year. Well, that was two thousand and nine. 2005. Yeah. So you went up first in 2005, then yeah. 2009, and what were the other? No, 2005, 2007, then 2009, 10, 11. Uh, what was 2007? 2007 was a double-handed show that I did with another comedian, Math Brown. Um, we were both um, like newish acts. Um, didn't have an hour, but we thought we'd do half an hour each. It was good. Um, our show was called The Honky and the Wog. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, we thought we'd do something to get, get some attention. Um, it was funny because, like, obviously, like, I'm, I'm the black guy, he's the white guy, and stuff. But um, people would come to our show at the start and they were like, um, Is this um, the, the show? Like, you get like middle class white people coming up. Um, is this the show? Um, you know, the, um, the honky and the, you know, and then they'll look at me and go, You know, go and say it. <laughs> so you can say it, it's fine. It's the honky and the walk show. Um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a free show at the, uh, at the counting house. Um, and it's a lovely venue, man, and we got good, good numbers. I enjoyed it, man. Um, I think it's probably my first time doing that long, doing half an hour um, repeatedly for about 20 days straight. And uh, it was good, man, put me in good shape. And uh, which room at the counting house is it? Oh, no, the... I think it was the lounge. That's a smaller one. Yeah, yeah. Then that year, it was in the lounge at about five o'clock or something. Um, tiny little room which turned into a sauna halfway through the show. But, um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's nice, man. I, I have fond memories of that. <laughs> and uh, so and so it's 2007, 2009, and then mm. what, 2000 and... 2010 and 11. That's when I did my second and third shows. So you did three shows, three Edinburgh's in a row. Yeah, man. Um, it's it's tiring, it's stressful, um, but it does make you write material, even if some of that material is absolute garbage now. Um, it was, I mean, the first year was, I really enjoyed it, because obviously I was the new kid on the block, it was something fresh. Um, and like, there's not, you don't really get a lot, a lot of young black comedians in Edinburgh, so there was a bit of a tension on me. Um, and as I said, it was my first time doing a whole hour and I was just buzzing off the fact that I could do an hour. So I really enjoyed it. Second time around, I felt it was a bit harder. It was like, you know, the second album syndrome kind of thing. I'd spent, like, all my material before that went into my first Edinburgh. So like, I had, like, five years worth of stuff, which went into a what I felt was a really good show. The second year was a bit harder because the turnaround was only 12 months and it was just a lot of pressure to write like a really solid show in 12 months. It was all right. Um, I mean, I got decent reviews and stuff. Um, looking back on it now, it's probably a few things I would have done differently, but you live and you learn. What would you have done differently? Um, write better jokes. Um, um, yeah, write, write some better jokes. Um, I tried to. I tried too hard to make a theme 
because the thing about Edinburgh, you have to do a theme, it has to be a story, it has to be like a narrative and an arc and stuff. Um, I wish I had just spent more time just, just making funny jokes and then seeing if there's a theme from that, rather than trying to fit and crowbar stuff into a story. Um, that's probably the big thing I would have done differently. Um, and then 2011 was um, Get Rich or Die Crying, um, which, again, I, I like that show. It was, it was a good show. Um, I had, I think it was just before I'd done a bit of TV doing Mod Week, but I'd, I think I was doing Radio, Radio 4 stuff. Um, so there was a bit of momentum behind that. And then I'd, actually I toured that show. The, the following year um, so yeah that was, that was good and they've all been in Pleasance so it's all been fun enjoyable shows mm. and did you find did you find then that the kind of the pressure of doing uh, an hour show kind of three years in a row mm. did did all did, did Edinburgh go from being a this kind of fun playground to this kind of beacon of, of impending pressure. <laughs> how did it? How was your kind of journey from, from kind of, uh, yeah, to to increasing professionalism? Yeah, it, it, there is a lot of pressure that goes with it. Well, I feel anyway. But I'm, I mean, I, I do kind of overthink stuff, and I do kind of like get get pressured easily. Um, yeah, you, you try to enjoy it. And, and you, you know, there are elements of it that you do enjoy, um, but then there's there can be a lot of pressure as well. You know, trying to deliver a good show, trying to get reviews, and you know, trying to just just to get get seen. And there's so many shows that you're competing with. Um, <clears throat> that I mean, there is an element of pressure to it as well. Um, but I don't know. I've always tried to try and try and look on the positive, man. Like I'm, 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 I'm doing a show. People are there. They're coming. They're, they're laughing at my stuff. Um, just, just enjoy that rather than thinking about all the other stuff. Like I just let my agent that deal with that. I just have fun making jokes on my show. So you, you, you've enjoyed it in general, the the festival then? Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I think overall there's been more good than bad. Um, so like, I haven't really. Been, like heavily slammed by any reviewers or anything like that, and also like review. I don't really tend to look at reviews when I'm in Edinburgh. Um, I'd wait till I get back home, and then I can cry about it if I want. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely more fun than good. I definitely recommend it. For any any up and coming comedian to do at least once. And uh, did you um, when you were um kind of writing material for mm. that did you feel like you learned any what did you learn as a comedian from from going to Edinburgh like what what did you would you feel like yeah, whether it might have been kind of at, in the kind of with the deadline of having to write or different ways of writing or um, it might have been kind of like in the same room every time like for because that's unusual for a comedian okay. to be in the same room like, is there is there anything that, what what kind of lessons do you think you learnt from doing Edinburgh's in consecutive years or um well it, it makes you right obviously doing three in a row because you have to have different jokes and stuff um but one thing I learned was that when you do an hour you and because it's an hour of you and the audience have come to see you, like, you have the allowance of just taking your time. Like, because, like, you know, like, we were doing, like, club sets, 20 minutes. It's always, like, quite bang, 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 because you have to kind of keep the audience, you know, on side and keep them attentive and stuff. But when it's an hour, you, you do, you have time to just, you know, 
like kind of slow things down a bit. There might be like a, a few minutes where <clears throat> there isn't necessarily a big punchline, but you're explaining something that's going to lead to a punchline. And yeah, you kind of get that freedom to just like go on an arc with, with the audience or, you know, just it can be like peaks and troughs and stuff. That's one thing I've learned. It doesn't have to be all like in your face, like joke, 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 joke. I mean, I mean, unless you're like a, a one-liner comedian or something, then yeah, that's your style. But me personally, like I could just tell a story and I could just be easy with it rather than just being in your face. That's one thing I learned from doing hours. And did that kind of like in in kind of infect your style at, with your club sets as well? It definitely helped my storytelling stuff. Like, um, yeah, I definitely got like a lot of um, storytelling routines from doing Edinburgh's, which like, yeah, even now, I still some stories from Edinburgh's that, that I've in my club set, um, which are like maybe long, like mm, 10, 10 minute chunks. Um, <clears throat> Which uh, yeah, I said put my clubs there. So yeah, um, definitely yeah, doing doing the Edinburgh shows definitely uh, definitely helped me out. And uh, it, with Edinburgh, is there any advice that you give to people if they're coming up and doing their first hour show or doing like uh, you know yeah, well let's say hour show before Edinburgh in general. If you're doing your first hour show, um, just just enjoy it. Don't get swept into you know all the politics of like reviewing and all, and all that kind of stuff um just enjoy the fact that you're you've got a whole hour just to just to do you that's how i'll say um yeah just just enjoy that you know let everyone like your agent and whoever else deal with all the other stuff just focus on your show and don't read reviews that's, uh, that's what I would say. Just wait till you get back. Um, I know it's tempting because you always you always see stuff, you know, like in websites and posters and all that kind of stuff, magazines. But, um, yeah, just don't read reviews. Just focus on your show and have a good time doing that. And don't get too drunk. Yeah, I, I, yeah that's one thing I'd say. I got drunk um, my first hour. I went to a foodies festival and um, they were giving out free tequila. And it was different, like different shots, different flavors, and all kind of stuff. And I tried a few of them, and then I got to my show, and I was like, "Whoa, I do not feel good at all, man." Just like I don't remember how the show went, but they didn't boo, so I'm, I'm guessing it went well. Um, so yeah, just enjoy it, but not excessively. Um, that bit about reviews, because mm. uh, like obviously it's a big thing um, for a lot of people, mm. but. Um, do you, so you wouldn't read reviews while you're up there, and did you, no. did you ever did you learn from your mistakes in that respect? Did you read a couple and just think, oh no, this isn't doing me any good, or were you immediately like, no, I'm not doing, I'm not going to get involved in that part of the kind of the head? Um, there was, I think maybe in all my three shows, I reckon I've only read two reviews while in Edinburgh, and that was only because um, it it was on my post or something or I saw it inadvertently somewhere so I thought okay I'll just read it now um, and like the thing is it's easy to let a reviewer influence how you do your show because um, like the audiences might be laughing and stuff but then a, a reviewer might say one little thing and you think okay maybe I, maybe I should change my show but you, <clears throat> I think you shouldn't change a show um, just by just one review because that's just one person. You know, if if the whole audience are still laughing, do you people in the don't don't let them change <laughs> to get um, the I kind of the I remember one of your red hate. I thought, oh, maybe, hey, maybe I should stand there. I don't know, something. Then I thought, no, I'm not gonna. 
Yeah, I'm not going to let one person um, be. Yeah, it always happens there. Um, oh, I don't remember what I'm doing. doing. Um, um, I'm actually, yeah, I yeah, remember in 2005, my first one, seeing Russell Howard there, but not by overviews the show. I think he had a stomach or something. Yeah, one opinion stage. Um, a bad day, but I remember him just absolutely um, like ripping that um, gig. I don't know. Um, yeah, so this is before obviously before good news and what the week and stuff. Um, a young, very talented. You knew he was going to be famous, Foster Howard. I was at the Tron. Yeah. Uh, and did you uh, around that? Kind of the Hunter Square area. Mm. During the day, obviously, a lot of street performers, but during the night, it has something kind of else to it as well. Have you had any kind of like other kind of like I don't know more inebriated experiences around Hunter Square or? Um, is, is that where? Um, is it Club Volatil? Cab yeah, Volatil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've been to Cab Volatil a few times late at night, you know, going out clubbing and stuff. Um, yeah, so that's a very full-on nightclub. It's, I remember the night I went there, it was... Um, oh, what's, what's that music called? I see, I'm getting so old, I don't even know what it's called now. Um, like, is it Electro? No? The, do, 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 that yeah. kind of music, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, I just remember being in there, standing there thinking, I don't want to be here right now. But I was with a bunch of mates and stuff, so I didn't want to look like a pipe pooper. So I stayed, even though I was petrified for my life, just seeing people just really going through and stuff, and I can't dance to this. Um, so I think I just drank a bit more so I can try and remember less of it. Um, um, outside in the Hunter Square, um, I haven't really had any, like... <laughs> Altercations at night time. Um, I mean, just just a few random people sitting on um, the, the little bench bit there, eating kebabs late at night. Um, that's by it. Then during the daytime, yeah, just just watching various people do their shows. Um, like someone riding on a massive unicycle or um, juggling dangerous objects and stuff. Um, but there's always something going on there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so and then we go up there, turn left onto the Royal Mile. So um, I don't know. Have you ever flied? Have you ever like? Did you have you flying your own show much? Um, when I fly, I flied in 2005 on the Royal Mile and 2007. 2005, I had to do the Amuse Moose stuff. 2007, uh, I flied what's it for? Uh, double-handed that we were doing free fringe um yeah fly i don't really enjoy flying i just don't i don't want to be one of those annoying guys chucking a flyer in someone's face but i mean when i did fly i just um i used to fly women um because it was easier to just talk to them in you no know, just try and charm them remember 2005 there's one oh, there was a gorgeous brazilian girl who um i flyed and like she was like like super hot um and then there was like a part of my, when I was talking to this part, I'm thinking, should I just forget the show and ask for a phone number or should I just do what I'm meant to do and do the show? And I asked her to come to the show and she said, yeah, she'll come, she'll come to the show afterwards we could, we could hang out and stuff. I was like, yeah. And then she didn't come to the show in the end. That's guy. <laughs> yeah, I spent so much time just talking to her and yeah, she didn't come to the show. I was guided about that. Um, but yeah, also, also on a warm hour, I got called, I got called a posh Lenny Henry, <laughs> which, um, to this day, it's 
still offends me. <laughs> um, what part of it offends you, though? Both. Um, the fact that I'm posh, because I, 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 I never thought I was posh. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with it, but that's the first time I'd been called posh in my life. And also Lenny Henry. I mean, I like Lenny Henry and stuff, but even still, it's like, like really? Like, how, how did that happen? What? I was going, I was in a rush. I was going to a show. And um, this woman stopped me. She she recognised me because she had seen me at a show um, a few days before or something. And she said, oh, you're very funny, Nathan, very funny. You know what, you're, you're just like a posh Lenny Henry. And I walked away thinking, I've never been so offended in my life. Like, I don't know, like, to call me posh and to call me Lenny Henry as well, like, like was it, that was 2007 or something? Like, eh, I don't know, like, no offence to Lenny Henry, but come on, posh Lenny Henry. Like, no. It's funny, isn't it, that she thought she was giving you a compliment as well. Like, yeah. it sounds like an insult, but it's not. It's, uh, it's I know, like, yeah. She was like, you're, oh, you know, you... Like, for her, it was all positive association. Oh, yeah. It was like, but, but just walking away with that. She like, walked away from that thing, I, I've done that young man some good to his confidence. Like, no, you've, you've dented it, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so the hot Brazilian, the the posh Danny Henry incident, and mm. both kind of came out when you were, when you were flying, and you said you don't really like it, you didn't really enjoy flying as much. Like, I, uh. I mean. If I could ask anyone about flying, right? If, mm. if I could have like a, if, you know, like a jump cut where you just get like a super edit. Like, <laughs> do you ever see them on YouTube? The super edits where they, I'd have a super edit, and everybody would say, "Can't stand flyer and didn't like flyer and yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not alone in that fact. Like uh, everyone that you mention it to, it's just, you know, I think unless you're Patrick Monaghan, it's like, <laughs> give everyone a hug. Yeah, <laughs> fly. I know. Nah, fly, flying is just not for me. I don't, I don't like hassling people. And because I, I, I personally, I don't like people hassling me with flies. So I don't want to be that person hassling people with flies. Yeah, I just, no, I just, I can't do it. I, can't, I, I can I can talk to people just like on a casual basis. That's that's totally fine. But to just go up and go, come to my show, come to my show. Come to my show. It's like, nah, I just, I just feel like I'm in a pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah, professional pain in the ass. Like being a chugger. I don't know how people chug, man. Exactly. Like, just I like, I, and some people really into it. I just don't like. Uh, anyway, yeah. I, yeah, I, I couldn't have that. Cause yeah, I'll, all the time. If I was a chugger, I just think everyone here hates me. I'm getting on everyone's nerves, and I couldn't live with that. Yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> uh, I'm a pain in the ass for a living. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, and so that area in the Royal Mile, there's obviously there's a flyer inside of it, but is there anything, like any experiences that you have of being flyed or being on that part of the Royal Mile and just seeing something, the weirdest thing you've ever seen or the, odd, the oddest? Because like, often there's kind of, like there are street shows, but mm. there are often just people doing like you know they're all the drama students doing their various kind of like uh, pretending yeah. to be dead or pretending to be which um, which is often the opposite of the most weird thing you've ever seen it's just the most dull thing the weirdest thing I've seen um, I saw a man balance a pram on his chin in the warm Um yeah it's part of a street show <laughs> actually, to give him credit it was actually it was impressive it was good um, yeah, he just got. He, there's a baby in a pram. He took the baby out of the pram, gave it to the parent, and then got the pram. And then you thought, what's he gonna do? He goes, I'm gonna juggle the pram. Is he? How can he, how can he juggle? And then he just put it on his head, and you're thinking, what? What's he doing? And then his arm just came out. I was like, oh, he's he's put the pram on his chin. And yeah, it was. It wasn't. Um, but I don't think it was a st- like a inside job. Like I don't think the baby was part of the whole magic stuff. 
it was a genuine trick. I don't know how it did that. Yeah, that was probably the most impressive thing I've seen. And warmer. That's it's great because it's a really Edinburgh thing to have said. Is what's the most impressive thing you've seen in Edinburgh? A man balancing a pram. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the Edinburgh Festival in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's probably known as Pram Chin Man Chin Chin Pram. Oh yeah. If I, if I saw him like this year, I'll I'll, I'll remember him. I, I couldn't forget his face. Like, hey, you're the dude with the pram on his chin. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, I wonder if he's building up to having the baby in the pram. <laughs> he does it. He just some really nervous parents. So um, we got there's that part of the Royal Mart, and then we go up and there's St Giles Cathedral. Um, I don't know if you've got if you ever been in the cathedral, that kind of like there's almost a marketplace there now, but um, it's at the top of the Royal Mart. Anywhere that kind of St Giles Cathedral, I don't know what it is. There's a cathedral, a big church. Um, there's uh, you know as you head up the Royal Mart. Um, Which way are you going? So we're going uphill. Oh, yeah. Um, so you go past the fringe box office and where all the flyers generally are. Yeah. And you go further up and it starts thinning out. You don't get as many flyers. Oh, yeah. And then there's on the left, on your left as you're heading up, there's a cathedral. Yeah. I mean, and then on your right, there's kind of like, you know, woolen shop. Yeah, yeah. There are loads of them in it. Mm. Um, but that, by the sounds of it, nothing. You can't even remember the place, let alone there's any no, memories. I um, what do I remember? Nothing, yeah, nothing's happened at the cathedral. Sorry. That's right. Um, and the, the, you don't have to fill out all these boxes, okay. whatever comes out. So. Mm. And then we turn left and then we go down Victoria Terrace. So that part of kind of going down the cobbled streets where the top of the underbelly is, you've got Finnegan's Wake, you've got a cheese shop, you've got the joke mm. shop at the bottom. Yeah. Like that road, is there anything that kind of comes into your mind of kind of... Uh, I got lost there. I know that. Like my first time in Edinburgh, 2005. Because all the streets are like, kind of some of them are like kind of go over each other and all that kind of stuff, and yeah, it, it doesn't translate to that. Like when you when you look at a map, you don't realise that. Um, and I remember spending like maybe an hour and a half looking for my accommodation when I first got to Edinburgh, and standing there thinking, where the hell am I? And like, I was this close to just going back home and thinking I hate Edinburgh. Um, yeah, so I got, I got lost there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's probably the the most, the biggest thing that, that was, yeah, that's the most memorable thing yeah. about that area was getting lost there when I first came to Edinburgh in 2005. And did you, uh, did you, have you kind of, like, you never performed in the underbelly, but have you, have you been in, around the underbelly much or? Um, I, yes, I've, I've done, like, little shows there, little, like, one-off gigs. Um, did a Dowell Martin's gig. Just uh, the tonic. The, the is that what's called? What's it called? It's, it's a late big show. Value. Big value. No, not big value. It's, an, it's a late show that he does there. Oh. Okay. Um, done that there. Um, Jack Whitehall did like a a late gig there. It's like a I think it's dark, dark side comedy something like that. The dark or the dark night, where you just do any kind of jokes, any kind of edgy, risky jokes, anything like that. Um, done a few gigs there. Um, yeah, and I remember seeing Tom Stay there do a, a set which made me piss myself. Mm. Um, like, have you seen a set where he picks on one person of the audience, and they're like, they're like um, his his buddy. He took, he he called him Jimmy. Because remember that time, Jimmy? Remember when we were in uh, in, in Afghanistan fighting fighting the troops? <laughs> and there's one joke. Um, which I hope you won't mind me quoting. He was saying, "Remember that time? Um, and we, and we got that. We got that soldier. Yeah, and we had a we had a 
we had a group, groupie, Menage Trois, remember that? Um, and he said, um, we partied in his ass like it was 1999. <laughs> <laughs> and I, just, I also remember, <laughs> I also remember just spitting out my drink and actually absolutely pissing myself for that. Um, yeah, that was, was a fun time, man. <laughs> partied in his ass like it was 1999. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Tom Stade. <laughs> Um, Tom Stade's great, isn't he? It's like he's... Yeah, brilliant comic. Um, and so, okay, so coming down to the bottom of there, you got the grass market. Mm. Um, I don't know, it's, it's kind of, they have that antiques market there, they're kind of like, it's cobbly, it's kind of pedestrianised in a way. Mm. Anything kind of suggest itself from there, or any thought of... Like... Mm. Grass market, anything happened there? Not particularly, no. Every time I've stayed in Edinburgh, I've been like, oh, like the furthest point yeah, away from there. Yeah. And then, well, then there's a cowgate as well. Oh. Like, the cowgate is kind of like most people use the word intimidating, <laughs> scary, kind of like sewer like that it kind of runs down. Like, it can be all oh, late at night, it can be quite intimidating. It's I, just kind I, of like. I've enjoyed cowgate actually. Um, I've had quite a few nights out there in cowgate, um, different bars and stuff. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought, I've always enjoyed it. Never been intimidating by me because I'm doing all the intimidating. I don't know. Um, but no, yeah, it's, it's been fun. I've had lots of lots of nights out there. Um, just, yeah, just having a good time, going to different parties and stuff and just enjoying the Edinburgh Festival. Um, having drinks, having a boogie. It's always been a fun time. Is that, some people say, mentioned about Edinburgh that, you know, that who was it? Kate Copstick said that the... I interviewed her last week, the week before mm. last, and she was saying that people go up to Edinburgh for three reasons. Uh, all comics go up to Edinburgh for three reasons: was it to to do gigs, to get famous, <laughs> and to get laid? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like on that side, like you talking about going out and like, have you did you ever have the kind of like, have you had an Edinburgh romance at all or anything like that? Or? Um. Honestly, <laughs> y- yes, I, I've, I've had yeah, I've had an Edinburgh romance before. Um, yeah, I've, <laughs> I, 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 I won't go too much into it, but yeah, um, yeah, I've, I've yeah, you know, if you've met a nice lady, you know, and had a few drinks and you know, enjoyed each other's company. Um, it's it's been yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a lovely. <laughs> I was trying to sound like a gentleman. Trying to sound polite. <laughs> uh, and uh, but did that last just for Edinburgh, or was it a kind of short-lived thing? Was it a long-lived thing? How did it? No, no, no. We kept in contact. We kept in contact for um, for quite a while actually. But then obviously afterwards, like I was back in London, and she was where she was living. Um, so yeah, just kind of nothing major developed out of it. But no, we, we kept in contact for a while. Um, hang out maybe when I was gigging there or something. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think it might be Facebook friends now, but I barely talk. <laughs> and uh, so it's just the one, just the one uh, Edinburgh romance. And was she, she wasn't a comedian then. She was a oh no, she wasn't a comedian. She was um, she was a a, a comedy, just a, just, a, just a fan of comedy really, who um, met in a night out on a night out, um, among the bars in Cowgate. Um, yeah, I'm just just hung out really. Just had had a cool time, good festival. Yeah. Um, 
there's uh, you being a gentleman about that as well. <laughs> yeah. But in a good way. Like nobody else to like is necessarily saying anything like much more than that to be honest. But it's it's interesting because how how Grunton is uh, was full of shame of his various. <laughs> like uh, you know like uh, he, was, he was quite glad that he was married for most of his Edinburgh. <laughs> like just the idea of him kind of desperately coming on to people, and and Arthur Smith just generally seemed to be like, well that's my best Edinburgh experience. I met a woman and an hour later I was having sex with her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could be that. Efficient. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I'll be a gentleman and say we had a lovely time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, there's those kind of there's that kind of nightclub area, and then you go further on, and then there's the old Gilded Balloon, and um, um, I don't know. There's a, where the Gild, where the Sin Lounge is is where the old Gilded Balloon, and it burnt down in 2002. And a lot of people kind of say that. Have you ever heard stories of Late and Live? Have you heard of Late yeah, and Live? Like yeah. Like the old Late and Live. Is it, is it, like, what have you heard about that? I heard that it was absolutely brutal. Like, you had to have, like, balls of steel to Late and Live. Um, just drunk people shouting abuse at you, shouting things like, just incoherent phrases and sentences while you're trying to do your thing on stage. Like, you have to be totally drunk to get through it. Just he didn't remember it the morning afterwards. Um... Yes, I heard it was an absolute bear pit. And that's why, to this day, I still haven't done that in life. Because even people say now it's got better. But I'm just, like, those memories are enough to just put me off. Those, those stories that I've heard. Um, yeah, couldn't do it. Well, again, how, how Grantland says of it, like, there seems to be a, like, over-gloried sense of kind of, like, this kind of bear pit, of mm. being able to play the bear pit. It's just like, yeah, but you don't get to do your set. <laughs> you don't get to perform in a bear pit. You have to, like, it's about firefighting. It's not about... Mm. So, yeah, you can say people have had those kind of skills, but it's not necessarily the skills of a comedian. It's a tif- different type of, yeah. kind of thing sometimes, or, you know, can be. So, um, but, yeah, the, so it's a late-night kind of... Uh, drunken kind of gig still, uh, whereas it is in the gig balloon. Use gig loosely, that term loosely. Yeah, it wasn't gig, it was more like a just crowd control. Yeah. Uh, when when you've been to Edinburgh, mm. what are the gigs that stand out? Like, I mean, there's obviously there's the gigs where you've seen amazing performers. Yeah. But have you seen like the the the, the kind of the extremes of Edinburgh performances? What kind of stands out in those? In that um, time? definitely spank. Um, wait, yeah, that's a, is that underbelly? Yeah. Spank, yeah. Yeah, Spank, yeah. Um, first time I did Spank, uh, 2009, there was a section called The Naked Review. Something Naked like that. Promo. That's the one, Naked Promo, yeah. Where someone um, has to get naked. Well, they get to promote their show, but they have to do it naked. And I, I, I thought, it can't be real. It's just got to be, maybe he'll have on a vest and some boxes. But no, he was he was genuinely naked. Um, this, this, this old guy, um, he had a book um, where he was reading his show that he's doing and stuff. But he, he had a over his, his genital parts so he couldn't see anything so I thought oh, he's, he's copying out right. and then he goes um, I'm having trouble seeing so I'm going to lift the book a bit closer and he lifted it revealing his genitals and the whole crowd went and I remember thinking what the hell is going on like this is this is meant to be an arts festival <laughs> um, and this guy's got his, his penis out in front of everyone um, yeah that was probably the wildest thing I've seen and then I saw um, the guys who run Spank as well um so I think he got naked 
another Leon's time. Leon's always getting naked. Yeah, it must have yeah. been Leon then. Um, yeah, just, oh, man. And it's the thing is, whenever, like, so whenever someone's getting naked in a show at Edinburgh, whenever I've been there, it's always been someone who I don't want to see naked. Like, it's never, like, a young, beautiful woman. It's always, like, you know, an older guy. Like, no offence to Leon or the other guy, but no, I, I want to see a woman get naked for once. Never is. Uh, that's that's probably the the wildest thing I've seen. Um, yeah, probably someone. Oh no, this has been another one. Um, again, is that? No, it was just a tonic at the caves. Um, Sean Walsh was doing his set, and John Robbins. Hope you don't mind. Don't mind me mentioning their names. Um, got on the mic. I was off stage and he goes, uh, Sean. And Sean, he stopped his set. He was doing his set. He was going, well, he goes, what the hell? And then Sean goes, um, well, why did you sleep with my ex-girlfriend and then not call her again? And the whole went, whoa. And then John Robbins, um, he, uh, <laughs> he proposed a wrestling match on stage to settle, the, settle their, their beef at Fair and Square. And um, <laughs> Sean Walsh, he, like, he backed up his set. And as he was coming off, uh, John came on right and ripped his shirt off and just took like a, a wrestling pose, like like to do battle. And Sean just walked off, and then I just remember like been there after the gig, and Sean just started going, "Mate, that is bang out of order." And <laughs> John was like pissing himself, and the audience loved it as well. That's that, that's probably one another wild thing that I've seen in Edinburgh, um, a wrestling fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a wrestling. Yeah, yeah, now there is, yeah. Are you going out this year, though? No, I was going to go for a few days and hang out and just take in, yeah. no, and just enjoy being in Edinburgh without having any stress of a show or any pressures or anything. But then my diary got filled up, so it's like... Yeah, work. Exactly, it's damn it. <laughs> Earning money. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, and then have you been to many free shows? Because, like, in 2005, the free festival was just happening, mm. uh, just starting. And obviously, in, I suppose when you came up in 2005 and 2007, mm. you did the free show in yeah. 2007. So, um, and if you're on a free show, you often don't have a pass. I think if you'd done the Amuse Moose, you probably had a Pleasance pass for that. No, I didn't, actually. You didn't, no. no. Um, but um, what are your kind of, like, have you seen many kind of free shows when you've been up? Yeah, yeah. Because free shows can often be kind of slightly loopy and kind of crazy you never quite know yeah it yeah it feels like the fringe of the fringe yeah it's kind of like um you get some shows which are great and some shows you think what the hell is going on like how, how is this a show um but no, i've been to a lot of few uh, free shows um i do think the free free fringe like is getting bigger and bigger and it's, it's a bad thing um just in terms of you know you don't know like i think it's yeah, you get better value even though some shows you get which are Proper like miss, but you get some good sh- get some good acts doing good shows on free fringe. Um, yeah, I've been to quite a, quite a lot of free shows actually, and I've always always enjoyed it. Um, there's, only, there's only been a few shows where I've been like just looking at my watch after like five minutes, going, oh, only five minutes already. Um, but most shows have been like, yeah, really enjoyable. Well, things a lot of the sh- free shows that I've been to have been like mates who I know are funny already, or I know are good. So it's always been fun. Mm. Um, okay, we're coming to the end of it now. Um, but yeah, accommodation. So you've you've been mm. up quite a few times. Who have you yeah. lived with? Because people end up living for a month. You live with people that you generally wouldn't live with. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, t- well, 2005, I, I was by myself. I was in like a little student accommodation kind of thing. Uh, 2007, I was with Chris Martin and Carl Donnelly. That was fun. Just like boys just hanging out and stuff. Um, playing PlayStation a lot. Um, going out quite a bit. Um, yeah, just girls here and there. Um, but yeah, 
again, we'll go into that. Um, <laughs> uh, it was, no, 2009. I was with Chris Cox, Ross Lee, and uh, another guy who I can't remember. He's not a stand-up stand-up, but he just, he's a TV presenter. And he does this, this show, um, like, it's about weird sex. Is it Jeff Leach? No, not Jeff Leach. I remember Jeff Leach, but it was Alex James, something like that. Something like that. Something like that. I mean, yeah. That's quite a random hodgepodge of people, but it's kind of like... We were all with um, Phil Mac, okay. so they put us all together. I remember, I remember seeing a show, and there's one, like, one scene where he's in like this um, chain like S&M chains kind of thing and this dominatrix has got like a like a hose pipe thing up his bum and she must have pressed some button and stuff and it sucks air and then you just see like all the that shit and all the nasty part of his show yeah it was just about random disgusting things that he's done <laughs> or that he's experienced and it's like a flush just all just comes out of him and you think oh it was it was a nasty show, but it was like it was one of the shows where it was so nasty you couldn't take your eyes away. Yeah. Just enjoyed it, but yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah, that's what that's I stayed the with. kind of stuff that you wouldn't generally see anywhere else in Edinburgh. Yeah, so. oh yeah, anywhere else is disgusting, but in Edinburgh it's a show. Um, yeah, I stayed with those four, and that was cool. Um, they were all, they were all fine. They haven't got along with them. Uh, 2010, I was with um, two of the techs from Phil Mac because um, I messed up my my accommodation booking and stuff, um, and then. Last time, 2011, I was with Eric Lampier and Joel Dummett, which again, it was cool. It was lads just, you know, having a good time. Um, we were cool. Um, it's weird, it was, it was quite weird because um, the walls are quite thin. They were quite thin in our, in our flat. So Eric was across the way, he was across the other side of the flat. Um, so when his girlfriend came over, you know, they were cool. Like, but, um, Joel, on the other hand, it was weird because like, there were times when I think you had a girl over and like you could just just hear everything that was happening. And then the end of the month, I had, I had my girlfriend come over. And uh, yeah, again, <laughs> that day I remember seeing the next morning, I saw Joel in the kitchen. And um, I was like, mate, I'm sorry about last night. And he was like, a oh, high five, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, yeah, we're all with the same agent, so they put us all together. It was cool. They were, they're good guys. <laughs> was, uh, Joel's great, isn't he? Um, he does the Arthur C gig actually with me. Oh, yeah, cool. Uh, there's okay, so I think that's everything. Mm. Um, and just double check. That. Yes, I don't know about it. What's the, what's the graveyard? Oh, no. Weirdly, loads of people have stories about graveyards. Sometimes uh, it seems to be as well, and uh, like Hal Cruttenden didn't, but it seems to be there's there's people late night, if they hook up with somebody in Edward, mm-hmm. they're not going to graveyards. Because like, there are lots of graveyards like in the centre. Like You can kind of... like mm-hmm. There's one at the bottom of Cowgate, there's okay. one at the other side of Cowgate, there's one on the other side of... The, the like so the outside kind of grassy quiet areas where apparently a lot of late night sex happens randomly. Why don't we just go back to the flat? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'd have, apparently too many people living in Leith. <laughs> uh, um, 
but uh, yeah, and I, I suppose the only other thing is like, what other kind of craziness? Uh, there is there anything else that you'd kind of say like that kind of that when you first got off the the, the train or the bus mm. in 2005 and you kind of experienced that kind of craziness that was Edinburgh. Is there any kind of that kind of spirit of the fringe? That any kind of different kind of like or an individual event or a couple of events? that you think represents to you what Edinburgh is like you know there's the pram thing obviously but there, there's um, you know is there anything else like in a show that you like? I suppose there's that wrestling thing mm. but anything else that you just kind of think back and you think you know kind of with that shake of the head of just like that's crazy that's uh... um hmm. Oh, yeah. It's quite a broad question, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, which I try not to ask. But um, it might have been at the Pleasance, might have been at the Gilded Balloon in one of the kind of TV rooms. I don't know. Have you ever seen? Like I remember seeing when I was uh, when I first went to Edinburgh, were Jerry Sadowitz do a show with Logan Murray called Bib and Bob, and that was just mental. <laughs> like, <laughs> properly, like you know, should be card away mental. But. Um, uh, yeah, so sometimes it can be. Oh, I saw Doug Stanhope actually in 2007 in the Tron, mm. and that was uh, that was uh, crazy because he was talking about abuse, and there was somebody in the audience that had been abused, and oh, it like shit. it became a dialogue. It became a kind of like between a, an aggressive boyfriend going, okay. "Can't fucking say that," and yeah. like he was going to be decked at one point, and then. Um, uh, 2011, I saw Andrew Maxwell. Um, he's doing his set is in a in a club in a nightclub, and he got heckled, and uh, he was Maxwell was taking him down, and then something happened. I can't remember what happened. Where uh, Maxwell asked him something, and because he'd been slammed, he got really annoyed, didn't say anything, and then I remember um, Maxwell standing up on like a glass table which is like a priority table it's the kind of table you don't want to damage or anything and just doing a set shouting at this guy like giving total abuse and like if there was any other night he probably would have got kicked out for you know damaging their property or whatever um and yeah that, that was um that's the kind of show where it's all what the hell is going on um, but in anyone, that made perfect sense. It was like, yeah, just that's part of the show. Um, that's probably something that kind of just, yeah, just wraps up Edinburgh. The unusual becoming usual. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much, Nathan. Cool, bruv. That's amazing. Thank you so much for your time. That was Nathan Caton, and Nathan Caton is still a brilliant working comedian that's out and about doing some fantastic work day in, day out. One of the most solid performers you'll ever see live, and uh, totally recommend seeking him out. Uh, thanks very much for supporting and listening to the podcast. Uh, do support us on Patreon for the Angel Comedy Patreon to keep the Angel Comedy Club alive and to keep conversations like this possible that uh, between other performers to kind of keep the culture alive of both comedy that the Ed Fringe is part of. But I will see you at the next podcast for now. Goodbye, everyone.